Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Your Ben Jarofsky show. Oh, what a week it was. It's just moments away. But before we do that, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors, as well as Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know about the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do. Is a certain thing you like open during a pandemic? You'll find out. ChicagoReader.com. If you're a clueless Chicagoan, get a clue, subscribe, and ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky for one, an endless, and I mean endless, list of Ben Jarofsky shows. We're damn near to a thousand episodes. And to become a bin head, go to chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. It's a three-tier system. When you become a bin head, you can either be in the alley, the avenue, or you'll be living large on Benny Boulevard. Find out more information, chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky. Also, you will get a deal on the latest book. Boy, you have been a busy, busy man in that attic, Ben. <laughs> That's the typewriter. Even though I don't have a typewriter. That's the carriage going back. He has a book. Will those noises be featured in that book? I don't know if you can spell that really, what he just did. But it may be. I don't know. You're going to have to find out for yourself. It's his greatest hits covering 40 years of Chicago journalism. It's his greatest hits. If you become a binhead, you will get a deal on that book. For more information, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R. A, V is in victory, S-K-Y. Okay. Ben, you have a song of the week. We do song of the week now. We used to do song of the day. Now, song of the week. All right? It comes from Frank. Oh, I, I have a feeling you're going to love this song. It's from the OJ's Love Train. Love Train. Get on board. Oh, Love Train. Come on, people from blah, 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 and some other country, Israel and Egypt and Africa. And Boy, it seems like blah, the blah, only blah. words you know of this song are love train. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is true uh, for many, many songs. I just know like three words and I just keep repeating them until I go crazy. People of the world, join hands, start a love train, right? Isn't How, that look, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. Just let's stop things for a moment. Uh, how did you know that? You're a child of the 80s. Yeah, it was, the on, 90s. A, it was on a Burger King commercial. The oh, Ben Jarofsky yeah. Show starts now. It is Friday, April 9th. And this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, What a Week It Was, the CTU versus CPS, round two, three, four, five, nine, we don't know.
Yes, Brianna on the live stream chat. That song of the week was awful. And now your host, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Ben Can't Sing Friday. And here's why. Because Ben can't sing. Okay, Brianna, I'm with you 100%. I can't sing, and uh, and I do only know like three lyrics in Love Train. Uh, but before we get to the week's news, uh, and it's just been piling up in my mind, all the news that's just been accumulating in the local news, been so obsessed uh, with national news, just got off the phone, did a great interview, if I may uh, promote it, D, uh, with uh, David Ferris. He was on a, he was just riffing. Uh, and we're dropping that tomorrow, uh, a bonus weekend bonus. David Ferris talking about all kinds of things, national, uh, Georgia's uh, new election law, filibuster, uh, the, the insane Republicans in Congress. So I've had a lot of national news on my mind, but the local news has been piling up and Dennis and I are going to get to it. But I'm going to go really, really, really local before I turn things over to the doctor uh, and talk about something very local to the Ben Jarofsky show. I have a new microphone. You hear that, guys? You hear yes. it? Can you tell? Uh, it's uh, a, a contribution to the reader from Shures. The, um, uh, they, I think all the podcast hosts got them, right? D, did you get one? Uh, no, I, uh, I, have, I don't need it. I have all okay. the equipment and all that stuff. So, um. uh, But this is super cool. It took a while for the uh, crack production team at the Ben Jarofsky uh, Podcasting Empire to assemble it. In other words, my... My wife, she's a genius, D. She's unbelievable. Oh, it took a while and to she, assemble it, and it also took a while to open it out of the box. <laughs> sitting there, like, for weeks, like, dude, come on. It's going to sound way better. Get the damn microphone. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, not the, it, it's just the COVID, folks. Just ignore it. It's just the COVID. Anyway, what an incredible microphone. It sounds so wonderful. Uh and uh, I'm going to really try hard, D, to push the mute button because, like, for instance, as you'll see, whenever I take a drink of water now, it really sounds loud. Oh, wait a For people who didn't notice it, now they're really going to notice it. Good job, Ben. Good job. <laughs> you know, you ever notice that, D, we have this habit of smashing the fourth wall you know, when really inappropriate moments. So, anyway, I want to uh, just say I feel really super cool, ready to do the local news. All right. With the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois. The man that David Ferris and Lori Lightfoot call the doctor with, oh, what a week it was. Did David Ferris really call me that? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, everybody, you can download this weekend's Benny J bonus interview with the one, the only professor and author, David Ferris. It'll be available chicagoreader.com or wherever else you download podcast by tomorrow morning and one other thing to announce what on sunday uh we will have a um a recording of tuesday's first tuesday with Anjanette young that is correct Andrew Pearl wells uh and that was if i must say so myself uh folks a really powerful show. I urge everybody to check it out if you haven't heard it already. Maybe if you need to listen to it on Tuesday Live, listen to it again. Really powerful stuff from Anjanette Young and Chapro Wells about dealing uh, with the police in Chicago at some moments when they weren't at their finest. And uh, more to the point, dealing with the, the politics and the powers that be in the city who just sort of look the other way. Uh, at uh, instances of injustice unless they explode in the headlines and there's no other way to avoid them 
Uh, Anjanette Young, of course, if you recall, is the, the woman who on the west side, the police had a no-knock warrant. They knocked on her door. She had just stepped out of the shower. She was naked. She was saying, why are you doing here? This is my home. They put her in handcuffs. Really um, horrific tale. Anyway, uh, that show will drop Sunday morning. Sunday morning, chicagoreader.com, wherever else you download podcasts. If you're listening live, we suggest you go check that out. Subscribe. Give us a review. Five stars only. You know what I mean? That'd be great. All right. Here we go. Let's talk about the week that was in Chicago and or Illinois. We begin in Illinois and we begin with Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. And for the record, I love puppies. Now, for the past few weeks, Governor Pritzker has been traveling around the state, preparing us for life in the pandemic now with vaccines. And he's really been preparing Illinois teachers and students for the reopening of schools K through 12. He's been downstate. He's been upstate, east, west. He's been everywhere, man. Well, sort of, because in his travels. The governor has managed to avoid that one gigantic part on the map of Illinois, the place you usually can't tear the guy away from. He loves it. Yes, he's been pretty quiet on the plethora of schools right here in the city of Chicago. Uh, ben Jarofsky, why do you think that is again? Why is the governor not wading into the situation between the Chicago Teachers Union and Mayor Lori Lightfoot in opening schools? Is that the exact question you're yeah, asking I me, young so. man? I think that's the exact question, yeah. Because he does not want to offend either party. Uh, governor Pritzker is supported by the Chicago Teachers Union and sort of supported by uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, and as such, he's like, ha! <laughs> that was my Governor Pritzker imitation. It's getting better. It's getting a lot yeah. better. Ha! <laughs> That's really my imitation of Dennis doing imitation of Pritzker. But uh, no, he didn't want to get involved in it. And uh, there's also already, uh, already he's alienated or irritated, I should say, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot by signing a bill. I think Dennis is going to get to this a little while later, so I don't want to scoop him, uh, having to do with bargaining rights of the Chicago Teachers Union. So he's just kind of like, just trying to pretend that rift doesn't exist, just going to go on, just go through. I don't blame him, by the way. I do not blame him. You don't want to, he heard, by the way, regular listener to our show, Governor Pritzker. And oh, so yeah. he heard. He, he you know, loves he heard, our he, program. He loves he our loves, program. He really loves it when you do your imitation of him. Oh, he loves it when God. you do the imitation. <laughs> he goes, honey, I love this guy. He's so funny. This Dr. D. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't want to. Um, no, he's heard that bit where Lori Lightfoot and Raylo get at, go at it. Alderman Raylo. You know what? You think he wants that going? You think he wants the mayor of the city of Chicago to tell him, well, I think you're 100% full of beep. You don't want that. So he's just, you know, I think I'll just ignore the entire city of Chicago. If I don't see it, it doesn't exist. Look, D, I got my eyes closed. I can't see you. You cease to exist. But now my eyes are open. Yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't, I don't think he wants any of that. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% still gets me every time i love it and by the way we'll get to this later raylo and uh and mayor Lori life had a little making up went down yesterday very important ward committee even vote we'll get into that later i think but uh you know 
They break up to make up. We did a 70s song earlier, the OJs. Now we'll do, uh, I think it's the stylistics. Break up to make up. Millennials, we really would love if you keep listening. (laughs) Don't tune out. A lot of 2021 content coming up. So, yeah, Governor Pritzker uh, has kind of been steering away from Chicago, but that changed last week a bit as Governor Pritzker did sign a bill on Friday restoring the ability of the Chicago Teachers Union to bargain with the city over a wide range of issues, including class size, layoffs, and the duration of the school year. The measure repeals Section 4.5 of the Illinois Educational Labor Relations Act, which has restricted the CTU's bargaining power since 1995 when state lawmakers gave then-Mayor Richard M. Daley control of the school district after several long strikes. The change takes effect immediately, union leaders said, and could drastically change the scope of ongoing negotiations between the city and the union of how and whether high school students will be able to return to in-person class before the end of the academic year. So much more on the CP on the CTU, indeed drastically changing the scope of those ongoing negotiations in moments. But first, Ben, let's unpack that bill JB Pritzker signed. And real quick, uh, is siding with the Chicago Teachers Union, I don't know, maybe the easiest way to get under our Chicago mayor's skin at the moment? Uh, yes. I suppose if you sided with the Fraternal Order of Police, that would irritate her as, as well, but probably not as much and probably very unlikely that any Democratic governor would side with the Fraternal Order of Police on, on any issue. So the fastest way to really get to uh, Lori Lightfoot is to say anything nice about the Chicago Teachers Union. Or sign a bill that they want. Uh, so, yes. No wonder J.B. Pritzker is avoiding Chicago. I don't want to get her mad at me. All already is. Folks, this bill. God, I could go on a riff. Go. This goes back to 1995. That's so long ago. Most of you weren't even. I know you were born, but you weren't paying attention to Chicago politics. Well, I was. And in 1995. The state of Illinois decided it would be a good idea to give Mayor Richard M. Daley even more power than he had. Because the notion was, was only a powerful mayor like Richard M. Daley, who was like the sun god for the city of Chicago, could deal with the public schools. So they gave him all the power essentially. And they stripped the union of power. And it was such a joke because the union at that time was very complicit with Mayor Daley. You know, so this notion that they had to strip the union of its power at a time when the union wasn't exercising its power was kind of a joke to begin with. But they just wanted to make sure. So they reduced the number of things that the union could legally bargain for in a contract. And this gets at this age old issue of what is the Chicago teachers union? What is the teachers union there for? And there are those in the teachers union. There's many people like this. I know because I talked to them. I met them who said, we are here for bread and butter issues only. The amount of money we make, the amount of benefits we get. And what happens in a classroom, curriculum, class size, that is none of our business. We're just here for money and to protect our uh, members if they're accused of some wrongdoing. That's it. That's all we're here for. And then there's a faction, it was a small faction in the 90s, that was saying, well, teachers should be active partners 
in the education of children. They should have a hand in shaping curriculum. They should be able to take a stand on things like class size and how the class day and how the day is divided and how many hours in the day and whether there should be a recess. They took away a recess in the middle of it all. And Mayor Daley and the powers that be in the city of Chicago said, no, no, we don't want to hear from you. This is what you do. You shut up, you go in the classroom, you cash your checks. Every four years, we'll give you a raise. Be quiet. And when we spend public dollars that are supposed to go to schools on our little TIFF boondoggles, you shut up and you look the other way. Just like all the bankers and all the lawyers, all the so-called Republican good government types, look the other way. That was the worldview of Chicagoans in the 90s and the old. Just look the other way and let the master mayor, the emperor, the sun god, run the city. And they all, by the way, all the good government groups, they were with it. Tribune, Sun Times, all, oh, they were so happy that Daly was the mayor, that the Dailies were controlling the, oh, the Dailies know how to run a city, Ben. Give them more power. It was like a handful of renegades, <laughs> like yours truly. How they shove them in the alternative newspaper where you, ah, freaking hippie, commie, radical. So yeah, D, that was the that was 1995, and now even now, you read the good government groups and the civic groups and the editorial boards, and they go, it'd be like the world was dark before 1995, and then the light went on. Mayor Daley took control. We cannot allow it to go back to the chaos support before 1995. Nothing has changed in the Chicago public schools, ladies and gentlemen, on a really basic, essential way. Ever, public schools in Chicago are still incapable, unable to educate poorest kids from the poorest communities at the same levels as the richest kids from the richest community. Nothing has changed. But they'll tell you, oh, things are so much better in the Chicago public schools since we gave the power to the mayor. They must be better because we say it's better. We believe everything we say. So, yeah. Karen Lewis, the great Karen Lewis, in 2010, got elected uh, as the president of the Chicago Teachers Union, and she made a move to take away that uh, law, to uh, rewrite that law so that teachers could bargain on things like class size. She believed, Karen Lewis, uh, that teachers should be empowered and that teachers should be active participants in what goes on in a classroom and should be more than just cogs in a machine and should do more than just say, Shut up and sit there and take your money. Don't talk to us about nurses or librarians. Do as we tell you. Take your right. What did the Sun Times say? Take your money and go back in that. <laughs> what a city. Anyway, D. Yes. So J.B. Pritzker. Oh, here's a shocker. He promised to sign the bill when he ran and he delivered his promise. <laughs> Unlike certain mayor of the city of Chicago who made a bunch of promises when she was running. Well, she made she a few some, to you too, right? <laughs> yeah. She got some dummies like a certain podcast show host. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, wait, she's going to do it. She said it to me at the hideout. She said it. If a mayoral candidate tells me something and it's going to be true. Oh, she had all us hipsters hooked. She said she loved Wilco, all that stuff. 
She's playing oh, hacky sack outside. She got us all, guys. <laughs> Those hipsters at the hide are like, Glenn, she's so cool, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. So Whoa. for the details on this bill, well, we're going to an unexpected source. Now, Ben, get ready. You may get a little flustered here because for this story, we're going to hands down one of the worst forms of right wing Illinois media. It's no one's favorite. The <laughs> Illinois Policy Institute. <laughs> hey, now the IPI, at least they're honest. All right. They hate Chicago. That is correct. They loathe the governor. Face coverage. And they can't stand the Chicago Teachers Union. I am um, right now. Um. So, Ben, <laughs> that was Jesse Sharkey, by the way, president of the CTU. So, Ben, for the sake of something different, I am going to read this piece from the Illinois Policy Institute. And please feel free to weigh in whenever you like or when you just have to tap out and you can't take anymore and you got to rant. All right. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. Cool. This is from the Illinois Policy Institute. First up, the headline in all caps. Pritzker signs bill making it easier for Chicago Teachers Union to walk out on students. The Chicago Teachers Union never seems to miss an opportunity to go on strike, but state leaders just gave them more opportunities to do so. After going on strike three times between 2012 and 2019, the union nearly walked out again in 2021 to protest the reopening of Chicago public schools for in-person learning. Newly signed legislation will give the union even more power to go on strike using students as pawns in its political <laughs> battle against Chicago public schools. They are peeved at the IPI. They say it's a power that is denied to teachers unions in eight of the nation's 10 largest school districts. They go on to remind us that teacher strikes are legal in eight of the 10 districts and that CTU's increased power should alarm Chicago parents because House Bill 2275 repeals a portion of the Illinois Education Labor Relations Act that limited negotiations between CPS and CTU to issues related to wages and benefits. And now CPS, this is still Illinois Policy Institute, and now CPS will be forced to bargain over everything, including subjects such as class schedules and hours and places of instruction. Those issues were continuous earlier this year before CPS reopened for elementary students. Is it time for me to weigh in, young man? I believe so. Okay, that moment has come. First, I just want to remind people, if you've forgotten, the Illinois Policy Institute is sort of the, the brains of the Republican Party uh, in the state of Illinois. Uh, what brains there are in the, the Republican Party in Illinois. They are the ideological, the think tank. They sit there every day and they ponder the great problems of the universe. And they come up with solutions for them. As such, they're very smart people, very learned. That's as opposed to Darren Bailey, you know, who's like the public face of the Republican Party. And, uh, and, Jim, and as opposed to Jim Durkin, who is uh, hiding under a table right now. I don't want to offend somebody. I'm scared. I have it. I have it. Uh, Illinois Policy Institute uh, is sort of like the ideological uh, kindred spirit of the Chicago Tribune editorial board or John Cass the right-wing columnist for the Chicago Tribune. 
And uh, so when they say that students are pawns in the political uh, uh, battles of Chicago, they're using students as pawns in their political battle. And their political battles against unions. And what they've been saying, they've been saying it uh, for years now. Their uh, leader, for a long time, Bruce Rauner, one of Dennis's favorite governor. <laughs> uh, just in, as soon as I said his name, I heard your invitation. Oh. <laughs> Heck of a governor, uh, Illinois Policy Institute. And by the way, great job, Chicago Tribune editorial board in uh, endorsing Rauner, giving us some great candidates to, to run our state. Thank you very much. But uh, this was Bruce Rauner's theme. We could just get rid of that union, that dastardly union. Ugh. And really, when it's Bruce Rauner and the other uh, chieftains of the Republican Party that represent like mega rich people, the reason they want to get rid of the Chicago Teachers Union and the reason they want to get rid of unions in general is because the unions support the Democrats. Duh! <laughs> unions support the Democrats if you undercut the power of unions, you really take away a key ally of the Democrats. You figure Democrats could figure this out. But Democrats, for so long, were laboring under the delusion that, yes, there's a bipartisan solution to all our problems. And then you have to agree that unions have too much power. Do you know how many Democrats have told me that down through the years? Rahm Emanuel, that was his big thing. We got to undercut the unions. If we undercut the unions then we'll look better to swing voters. Dan Biss was toying with that for a while. He apologized for at least, at least when he ran in 2014. Pritzker was, all Democrats were under this influence. It was a very powerful gain that the rounders of the world uh, made in the early part of the last decade when they got Democrats to sign on to some of this anti-union rhetoric. Democrats have left that. They realized they were used, a lot of Democrats used, realized that they were used as uh, stooges. They were the stooges for the Republicans. And as a result, Wisconsin went Republican because the Democrats abandoned their union brothers and sisters. They bought into that rhetoric, that anti-union rhetoric. Now Wisconsin's trying to get out from the control of these lunatics in the Republican Party. Here in Illinois, the Republicans are playing the same game. So they're trying to convince parents in Chicago that the greatest threat, existential threat to their children is an all-powerful Chicago teachers union. And it's really bizarre. Is there an ally in this is Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And it's just something that happens to mayors in Chicago. Uh, It happened with Rahm. Well, Rahm did it voluntarily. Mayor Daley at the end, when he didn't get his Olympics, kind of lost his mind, politically speaking, they turn against the union. And they figure, well, I got more votes to be gained by being against the union and making the union look like some evil left-wing monolith than I will get by supporting the union or joining with the union. That's the game that Chicago politicians play, uh, Chicago mayors, I should say. Uh, And they're being cheered on by, of all people, the Illinois Policy Institute. So giving teachers a say, a greater say in what goes on in their classroom and their schools, that's bad. I disagree. I don't even know if the Illinois Policy Institute really agrees. 
on this point. Again, they're Republicans. They're very strategic. They're very tactical. And if they could turn the public against the teachers union, depower the teachers union, you undercut the teachers union, less support for the Democrats, more power for the Republicans. They can rewrite state laws that benefit uh, wealthy people. That's the game, Chicago. That's the game. So you could either be an active player in the game, supporting the rounders of the world, or I don't know. You could be wise. <laughs> like this old hippie in the attic looking at the board of body. So, hey, thanks, Illinois Policy Institute, I guess. It was literally the first uh, thing that came up when I went to research everything. Uh, just Illinois Policy Institute. First article came up. thought that was very interesting. Our favorite institute. <laughs> Illinois Poly- <laughs> Do we know any other institutes? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, the Art Institute. That's oh, yeah. Chicago. Sorry, Illinois Poly Institute. I like the Art Institute better than I like <laughs> So, yeah, Governor Pritzker signed that bill into law, giving the Chicago Teachers Union more bargaining ability. And God bless them. Just days later, back to our regularly scheduled programming in 2021 Chicago News. Went away for about a month. Did you miss it? It's the CTU versus the CPS. Round two, three, four. Ben, what round is this now? (laughs) I don't know. Round seven. Yeah, I just made that up. Sure. Round seven. The CTU now wants the reopening of high schools delayed one week, citing COVID-19 variant concerns. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and a powerhouse trio, if I've ever seen one, Stefano Esposito, Fran the Woe Man Spielman, and Nadir Issa. CTU President Jesse Sharkey, speaking on a Zoom call with union leaders and reporters Wednesday, said he is concerned about a COVID-19 variant spreading in states neighboring Illinois. It is unclear, he said, if the variant is behind the recent spike in Chicago cases. All right, so I have quotes from the CTU and I have quotes from Mayor Lightfoot as well. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Madam Mayor. (laughs) First, let's hear from the CTU. Sharkey and union members said they were concerned that CPS plans to have students at some high schools attending in-person classes four days a week rather than splitting up the student body so that half attend, say, on Monday and Tuesday, with the other half coming in Thursday and Friday. The union wants assurances that scheduling allows for safe social distancing. Sharkey said, quote, we need to answer those questions in order to understand if it's safe to open schools right now for the high schools. This is precisely the age of people in this city who, in states around the country, are driving the surge in other places. The only way to keep things safe in high school is to have low enough student attendance numbers so that you can have social distancing. That's a function of scheduling. The CTU also suggested public health conditions are worsening close to the point that elementary schools, which have which have been open since early March, would soon have to shut down again per the union's reopening agreement with the district. Two of three conditions outlined in that deal have already been met for district-wide closures, with the third being a 10% average citywide test positivity rate over the course of a week. Chicago stood at 5.2% as of Tuesday. If high schools reopen during what might be the start of a new wave of infections, they might lead to worse metrics and inadvertently cause the closure of elementary schools, an outcome that no one wants, Jesse uh, Sharkey said. 
Uh, let's see here. We got Lightfoot's uh, comments. But Ben, your thoughts here on what Jesse Sharkey had to say. Well, Jesse Sharkey's doing what a union leader is supposed to do, looking out for the interests of his union members. So there's health considerations to be taking uh, into consideration. Absolutely. You know, these are, you can't really argue with anything he said. I mean, well, you could rebut it, but you can't really attack him for looking out for the health interests of his constituents. I don't know why anybody would, they, the essential point of the anti-union faction in, in the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago, actually the country as a whole, is they don't want teachers to object on any matter. They just want teachers to go along. And here we have in the city of Chicago, a very active union that stands up for its constituents. They get mad. That just that in itself, that in itself irritates the hell out of a lot of people in this city. And uh, it is, it, and it does, I have to say, we've fallen into certain habits in the media. And uh, Dennis and I are as guilty of this as anybody else. I admit it, D. We're as guilty as my beloved headline writers at the Chicago Sun-Times and the Tribunal. Uh, we're guilty of this. It's like... Life is boring. It's complicated. We don't have to make sense of it. I know. I got Jesse Sharkey over here, Lori Lightfoot over there. Let's put their picture here. It was, just, it was the cover of the Sun-Times. Just, was it yesterday? I've lost track. I've lost track of time, Dennis. Uh, there was a picture of Sharkey. They always get that picture with the red sweatshirt and Lori Lightfoot. She's mad and he's mad. Yeah, both not like, flattering oh. pictures of either. <laughs> Let's get the worst photo we can of Lori Lightfoot. Put that on the front page and let's double down with a horrible photo of Jesse Sharkey. Put that on the front page and then they're mad at each other. And then everybody's like, oh, <laughs> so sick of it. I'm just so sick of it. Oh, my Chicago in. <laughs> okay, so we heard from Jesse Sharkey, president of the Chicago Teachers Union, now from the Chicago mayor, speaking to reporters later Wednesday morning at a Southside News conference uh, called to announce the expansion of Sunday library hours. Mayor Lori Lightfoot dismissed the union's point and said she is sticking with the April 19th date to reopen CPS high schools. Teachers and staff should report to their schools in this upcoming Monday unless they have an approved work-from-home accommodation, district officials said in an email on Wednesday. That was the first time workers were officially informed of their report date five days in advance. Lightfoot argued that there is, quote, no basis for renegotiating the framework agreement that reopened schools for K-8 through students and set the stage to do the same at high schools. As part of the negotiation in writing, uh, Lightfoot said, we set forth a plan for when schools would be open, but also if the conditions warranted when we would close by classroom, by school, and by district. That's already baked into the plan, so we're going to follow the plan. There's no basis for us to renegotiate that. The terms are ones that were agreed to by the CTU just a matter of a few weeks ago. I see no basis for delay, and it's my expectation that we're going to be opening up high schools as indicated by CPS. All right, no basis for delay. This classic mix message. And I say this is a guy I had my second shot, my second vaccine. 
the clock's ticking down for like what the two weeks, you know, when I have to s- still have to uh, do the social distancing before I'm about 94% sure. But meanwhile, there's articles in the paper, the variant, the variant's coming. The variant's not protected by the immunization shot you got, Ben. Be scared. Be very scared of the variant. And Mayor Lightfoot, when she's not denouncing Jesse Sharkey, is talking about the variant. You're scaring me about this variant, the way you're talking. (laughs) So on one hand, we're watching the variant very closely. We may have to adjust our social protocol laws. We're going to, science dictates it. It's nothing but scientists. We have scientists in the bowels of City Hall right now at their computers. Aimless scientists checking the variant and the rates of infection. And if there's any change, we will take your car, oh. shut you up. <laughs> Won't let you play basketball. Close down the leg front. Okay. But on the other hand, when Jesse Sharkey goes, well, you know, uh, <laughs> I see this thing in the story about the variant. Shut up with the variant. Okay. We had a contract. We cut a deal with you and we're sticking with that. deal. <laughs> it's like, this is, but this is, this, hey, people of Chicago, this is what you want. This goes back to that conversation I was having about the 1995 law. All power to the mayor because only a powerful mayor can deal with this unruly city with these commie teacher unions and weird talk show podcast hosts in their attics. So that's why we need an all-powerful mayor. That's kind of the Chicago mindset. So Lori Lightfoot, she really, I, you know, I think she really likes being mayor. You know what, if, D, so many people go, I don't know why anybody would want the job. I don't know why anybody, I, <laughs> she's doing a great job. This, was a, this is a classic Chicago line. I see this one all the time. She's doing a great job considering the circumstances. And I don't know why anybody would want the job. So I'm going to vote for her again because she's the only one who wants a job. I got news for you. I think there's probably 25 people in Chicago City Council right now who want that job. Dennis has even talked about uh, throwing his hat in the ring. <laughs> Just yeah, well, the news there. is out. <laughs> so, you know, I think Lori Lightfoot loves the job. Because when you're mayor of Chicago, that's like, you're the boss. And there's some kind of people who love being the boss. Rom loved the job. You know, he loved being a bud. So did Daly. Good God. Mayor Lori Lightfoot really reminds me of Mayor Richard Daly in so many ways. And um, just the way she deals with criticism, her temper, et cetera. But she just, they love that power. And there's a certain sector of Chicago that loves investing them with all that power. Because they figured out that if you get the mayor to sign on to whatever you want, you're golden. That's all you need. And uh, so that's why they support the mayor when it comes to an issues like how much influence should the teachers have in the school curriculum, school policies, class size, et cetera. No, 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 no. We don't want you to have any say. We want the mayor to have all the say. Because only a powerful, strong mayor can run this unruly city. So, D, they're just playing. They're reading from the script. It's um, This is sort of where we're at right now in relations between the mayor and the Chicago Teachers Union. And so, 
is it based on anything other than what defending your turf? I'm not sure D because the same mayor, the same powers that be when they talk about the pandemic and it's, threats very careful to say they reserve the right to change to put in more uh social protocol orders social distancing orders limit access to bars and restaurants at any given notice right d they got the right to do that but when it comes to the schools uh-uh. you have an agreement this is the way it is we're the boss you shut up and do what we say so it's got nothing to do with the pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. Just throwing that out there. It's power politics in the city of Chicago. All right. Well, before we move on, I feel like I need to ask you. It's been a while since I gauged this. And we're now two years in under uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out. And I'm going to make you walk home. How close, in your point of view, Ben, is Mayor Lightfoot to rom country. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Great question. Great question, uh, Madam Mayor. Great question. I just thought of it right now. <laughs> you know, I, I I think she's got a ways to go before she gets to rom uh, country. And um, I rom country, rom, rom was using Chicago. There, it's two different things. And this is like a, an idea that's freshly developing in my brain as I say it, D, because I was not aware. I was not prepared for this. But now that you asked, it, I'm really into it. And so Rom, like Chicago was just a rung up the ladder for Rom. You know, he was going to use Chicago to advance his brand, promote his brand and advance his career. And you dummies in Chicago helped him. Okay. He must be good. He was Obama's chief of staff. And I love Obama. I'll vote for him because I'm a happy Chicagoan. <laughs> he was like, he didn't know anything about Chicago. He barely ever lived here. He didn't know anything about the Chicago public schools. It was like, I'm going to take this city and implement my dumbass ideas on it and then use that to promote my brand and my name and get something bigger and better and move on. Well, I totally bombed. Not knowing Chicago was uh, hmm, a deterrence to effectively running it or leading it. And uh, so it had the uh, reverse effect D, of pretty much ruining his brand, at least at the moment. He's doing everything he can to try to reverse that. Everything he can to resurrect his name, his brand. <laughs> With the help of George Stephanopoulos at ABC. Rom, what do you think about the issues of the day? Since you did such a wonderful job making a hellhole out of Chicago, we're going to give you a platform to express your ideas. Well, thank you, George Stephanopoulos. And with Chris Christie, who did a, arguably a worse job with New Jersey than Rom did with Chicago. I know. We're going to take two of the biggest failures, politically speaking, in the last 10 years. And make them experts. Uh, so that's Rom. I, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I just, I don't see her as promoting herself. I think she believes that she's the smartest person in the room and the best person to lead the city. 
and whether she has like a worldview uh, or is she signing on her ideology the way Rom did? I'm not certain. You know, it's really hard to make any like judgments about Lori Lightfoot because the pandemic limited her ability to throw around city money. You know, Rahm was like, he made it clear. He was a total trickle down mayor. If you give money to rich people, uh, a nickel, you give them a dollar and a nickel falls to some poor person, that's progress. And they have a press conference to announce the nickel falling down and totally ignoring the dollar that went out to the rich guy. That's how, that was Rahm's worldview. Trickle down, classic trickle down. I don't know if Lori subscribes to that. We don't know because the pandemic has limited her ability to throw money around. I guess we'll see, D, uh, once the pandemic lifts and she has power to, you know, do some TIFF deals. It was not a good sign when she looked the other way and pretended she didn't have the power to stop the Lincoln Yards. That was not a good sign. Uh, but we really don't know the extent of her ideological similarity to Rom because her hands have been tied. But I definitely think she's an improvement. I'm, I, I know all you Lori Bashers out there, you don't like Lori Lightfoot, but I do believe uh, she's an improvement over Rahm Emanuel as mayor of the city of Chicago. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! <laughs> oh, and also take a chill pill, man. Oh, yeah. My favorite. <laughs> Wait, what about the bike? I rode around this Lake Michigan. Oh, that one too, D. Yeah, I couldn't find the audio clip. Uh, Shout out to Jay Marie on the live stream chat. Uh, I wouldn't say the biggest fan of uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Would you, Ben? Uh, no. <laughs> Don't invite them to the same party. <laughs> Jay Marie asks, so what does Lori have to do for Ben Jarofsky to just let her have it? Lori's pretty much Rahm Emanuel. Sorry, Ben. Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, Jay Marie, I just pretty much. I don't know. I, I'm not ready to say that again. Again. She hasn't had the opportunity to waste a lot of money on dumbass TIFF deals where you take money from poor people, and give it to rich people. So I, I need to see a little more proof, uh, Jay Marie. I'm holding back. Okay. All right. Translation. We'll check back in a few months. All yes. Right. There we go. Well, presuming the the variants don't destroy us. <laughs> All right. Hey, the come variants, on. You know, it is pretty funny though. I just before I leave this one, it is pretty funny. Like Lori Leifer reserves the right to cite the variant as a possible reason why she may have to change her mind on allowing restaurants to open. But how dare Jesse Sharkey do the same thing? How dare you? <laughs> Kyle, I'm the mayor. Kyle on the live stream chat agrees with Jay Marie. He says, I'm having a real hard time seeing any type of nuisance difference between Lightfoot and Rom. You know, guys, <laughs> I, 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 oh, well, we got our host ducking and dodging here, guys. This is awesome. I just don't, I don't see the evidence. I mean, I'll recite what Rom did. I'm going to redo Rom. I mean, just, and again, I'll repeat what I said. Lori Lightfoot hasn't had the opportunity to do this because she has the money to throw around. First thing Rom did, that stupid budget of his of 2011, 
close mental health clinics, threaten to close libraries, and shift money uh, to downtown developments. Then bring in NATO. Remember that one? Remember bringing in NATO? D, were you in town for that? Uh, what a joke that was. All that money, all that attention, all that effort to bring the NATO uh, summit meeting to Chicago. And then it, the, the showdown in the streets with the uh, ra- radicals running through the streets of Chicago, battling cops. The downtown is like a war zone. Yeah, that was Rom's vision. Lori Lightfoot hasn't done anything like that yet. Rom left the same way he came in with the $1.3 billion Lincoln Yards TIF deal. Now I know Lori pretended you're right. Jay Marie, you're absolutely correct. Even though I'm citing myself, let me give you the credit for this, Jay Marie. Uh, she looked the other way. She pretended she was helpless, couldn't stop it. But it wasn't her idea. It's Rom's idea. So I could go on and on about the boondoggles. Oh, my God. The DePaul basketball arena in the South Loop. How can we forget that? That was a Rom idea. Then the money ended up going to Navy Pier. <laughs> Somehow or other, that's not illegal. So I'm just saying, before I totally sign on that one is a carbon (laughs) copy of the other, I need a little more evidence. No, Ben! (laughs) We had his feet to the fire there for a little bit, guys. That was fun. Ouch! My foot hurts! Oh, my God. And besides, has Mayor Lightfoot rode her bike around Lake Michigan? I just biked around Lake Michigan. Hell no, man. Uh... How many miles? Nearly a thousand miles. Holy cow, that guy. Ram, ram, ram. But she, you know, Jay Marie, she's close. She's she, you know, in a lot of. I actually think she's closer to Mayor Daly. That's just my opinion. Well, Ben, I think it, when you more. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just say in temperament, personality. Uh, she just reminds me of Richard M. Daly more than she. Rom had this just irritation with everyone all the time. Oh God! I always had a feeling that Rom was looking at his watch, figuring how soon before I get out of this godforsaken hellhole of a city that I claim is my own, even though I've never lived here and I don't particularly like it. I, I always had the feeling that D is like, oh God, I can't wait to get my bike and ride around Lake Michigan in my spandex. <laughs> I don't know. I just get the feeling that Lori Lightfoot just, you know, this is what she wants to be, mayor of the city of Chicago. So that's just me, D. Guys, nearly a thousand miles. Nearly a thousand miles. (laughs) Uh, And by the way, not one person wanted health insurance. That was the more, everybody forgets that part of it. When he t- that little anecdote that he, t- I think it was on the George Stephanopoulos show. Yeah. Was uh, bragging about how he like met with the, like the people of Michigan. Like Rom on it with his spandex on his bicycle, riding around Michigan. Everybody he met, not one of them <laughs> wanted wanted a new health care plan. Not one of them. Not an issue they care about. Don't even talk about it. Healthcare is great in this country. I'm Rahm Emanuel, and I have spandex. All right, I got to remember to keep checking in on this question. Uh, we'll uh, check back in maybe a month or so to see where we stand. Uh, on that. All right. More Chicago school news this week. The following comes from the Chicago Tribune in Alice Yen. The Cook County Democratic Party has voted in favor of state legislation that would establish an elected board in charge of Chicago public schools, a move that would contradict Mayor Lori Lightfoot's opposition to the plan. Oh, she just can't win this week. And <laughs> 
I've been there, been there. All right. In a 51 to 5 decision, the Central Committee voted on Wednesday night to endorse Illinois House and Senate plans. The move sets the wheels in motion for the party to write formal letters to Illinois House Speaker Emanuel Chris Welch and Senate President Don Harmon urging them to enact the legislation. Both of the Democratic legislative leaders also expressed their support of the proposal that night. Neither measure has yet to pass either chamber, but the nod from the party ratchets up pressure on Lori Lightfoot as she continues opposing the Chicago Teachers Union endorsed legislation that she had characterized as unwieldy. Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle, who had CTU support but lost her mayoral bid in the 2019 runoff election against Lightfoot, serves as the Democratic Party's Cook County Chair. And State Senator Robert Martwick and former guest on this program, Robert Martwick, the Senate bill's lead sponsor and the 38th Ward Committee person, said before the vote that his plan would deliver CPS students the democracy that American soldiers die for on foreign soil. Mayor Lightfoot's thoughts on the Senate bill? According to the Tribune, Lightfoot again stood her ground on Tuesday, saying any elected school board plans will, quote, happen on a timeline that makes sense, not a timeline someone tries to dictate to me. Ah, yes. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her broken promise. I want an answer. I think one of the promises she made at the hideout where she uh, lured hipsters into her lair was an elected school board. And uh, she ran on uh, the need for an elected school board. I'm all over the map when it comes to elected school board, but I believe if mayor runs on a promise of uh, elected school board, she should deliver on that promise. But clearly once she became uh, mayor of the city of Chicago, and this is uh, a similarity that she has with Rahm and Daly. She realized by having an elected school board, less power for her. Mayors love power. And part of the reason, part of the reason has to do with the TIF program. The way the TIF program works, ladies and gentlemen, it's complicated, but pay attention. The way the TIF program works is that when you implement a a TIF, it diverts money from the public schools and it diverts it into bank accounts controlled by the mayor. If you had an elected school board, there's a chance now, admittedly, it's a minute chance, this being Chicago, uh, and there's a chance a Chicago voter might elect a school board member who objects to this diversion of public tax dollars from the public schools to the mayor's TIF projects, to the mayor's TIF accounts. And as such, it could be problematic for the mayor. We might, oh my God, we might have an actual honest discussion of how the TIF program impacts public education. Mayors don't want that. We just had the Lincoln Yard TIF deal went through. You didn't hear one word from the Board of Education, even though that project has serious financial consequences for how the schools will finance and pay their bills. Not one word. Why? Because they're mayoral appointees and they know they're not supposed to talk about the TIFs. In fact, they pretend as though there's nothing they can do about it. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> state law doesn't allow us really Ben, to weigh in on this. That's, that's how far they'll go to fool themselves and fool you. So if you have an elected school board, that's just one example of how it would encroach on the mayor's power. And Mayor Lori Lightfoot 
She figured that out early. So, uh, uh, Mayor Rahm, he figured that out early. Uh, uh, so that's, a, that's something they have in common. They both figured out an elected school board would undercut their power. And they both oppose it as a result. Now, Rahm, in some ways, was more honest about his opposition to the elected school board. He never signed on to it in the first place. So it's not as though he broke a promise. Mayor Lori Lightfoot signed on to it, and now she's saying, well, it's the details I don't like. I believe in the principle. It's the details I don't like. And they always want to, like, like, make it like two years down the road before it comes in. You know what I'm saying? They really get a study thing. We've got to prepare for it. So uh, another two years, she doesn't have to worry about it. So, uh, yeah, the... Uh, I don't know what elected school board all actually will do uh, to make public education in the city of Chicago better, but it would do a heck of a lot more to have a control over the mayor. That is for certain. There is no control over her right now at all. No control over Rahm either. For that matter, they appoint the school board to make sure that the people they put on the school board will do pretty much what they want them to do. And life goes on. That vote was interesting, D. Well, and about those five no votes, yes, four, go ahead. four of the five no votes for the school board legislation were aldermen. They yes. were Alderman Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward. I want an answer. <laughs> David Moore of the 17th Ward, Michael Scott of the 24th Ward, and Alderman Tom Tunney of the 44th Ward. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. Otherwise, I'm going to be up your butt every day. Uh, yes, uh, Tom Tunney, uh, alderman of the 44th Ward, and of course, uh, the head of the zoning committee, uh, one of the most powerful uh, committees in the city of city council, one of the most powerful aldermen uh, in the city council, man who is virtually unbeatable in the 44th Ward. Don't forget about those cinnamon rolls now. Come yeah, on. There, there you go. He runs Ann Sather's restaurant and people, this is Chicago, they don't ask for much. They really don't. You give you give a a Lakeview resident a good cinnamon roll, he'll be voting for you for life. Dude, you give me a good cinnamon roll, I'll be voting for you for life. I, I know it probably doesn't mean the same, but you know, just say, damn, I love cinnamon rolls. Ugh. Hey, Tom Tunney, you want Dennis's vote? He doesn't even live in your ward. Uh, and uh, Tom Tunney, of course, may have forgotten in the midst of the pandemic when Governor Pritzker had ordered <laughs> restaurants closed. He was operating that cinnamon roll speakeasy. Remember that one, D? Knock three times on the ceiling if you want me. And you knock at the door and someone come, yeah, what do you want? Uh, I heard the password is Dr. D cinnamon roll. Yeah, come on in. They let you in the back room. Woo! We're going to have a party. Hey, ain't it a beautiful? And I'm over there in the corner with just a pile of them. (laughs) Yeah, then when it was all over, he goes, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> he gets still to be the, he's still the head of the zoning committee. What a city. That's because he makes a good cinnamon roll. He won Lori Lightfoot over. She goes, say what you will about Tom Tunney, but these cinnamon rolls are unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Tom Tunney. Uh, yeah, the, uh, so, okay, just so you know this, folks, ward committeemen are not aldermen. It's a party position. You remember the leadership group that runs the Democratic Party, the executive director of Democratic Party, frequent guest on this show, J.K., Jacob Kaplan. And so uh, clearly, Tony Pregwinkle was sticking a needle in to Lori Lightfoot. Obviously, 
Jill. Okay, Lori Lightfoot, you think you're so big and bad because you defeated me 75% to 25%. I'm going to show you. I'm still around. So <laughs> they, like two they, uh, years ago, still not over it, but sure. Yeah, probably, more yeah, than likely. Over, yeah. but not really. So I can't recall the last time the uh, ward committeeman of the city of Chicago weighed in on a school policy. I would have loved it, by the way. Oh, where, oh, where was the, where the ward committeeman of Chicago would say 2000, when was it? Eight? When was that crazy parking meter deal? Wouldn't that have been something if the Democratic Party had weighed in to say, we disapprove of selling a asset that's worth about $10 billion for $1 billion. Hmm. (laughs) Even Ben, who barely passed geometry. In high school, could figure that one out. We'll love for them. We'll love for them to be there. Let's see what to speak out against that one point three billion with a B dollar TIF deal, Lincoln Yards. Well, you know, I'm not. It's not like I'm jumping for joy that they did this day. I got a feeling my dear friend Stacy Davis Gates may have had a little something to do with this. Yeah, she got Lori Lightfoot. Uh, excuse me, Tony Preckwinkle too. I just think that's just my guess. I could be wrong, Stacy. Could be wrong. So who I, I you know what, Lori? Lightfoot, you should send a cinnamon roll. <laughs> you should get Tom Tunney to give you a cinnamon roll and send it to Raylo. You complain about Raymond Lopez all the time. You cussed him out. But he was there for you on this vote. And Raylo, as everybody knows, is conservative. He's one of the more conservative members of the Chicago City Council. And as such, he subscribes to the notion that, eh, you know, these teachers didn't have too much power. So he voted with the mayor. You think the mayor's going to give him any love? To you? I don't think so. Michael Scott voted with the mayor. I believe he's the head of the uh, Education Committee in the Chicago City Council. David Moore, that one surprised me. Voted with the mayor uh, from the 17th Ward. That one surprised me. Yeah, but you know what? Like, I'm going to look at it from David Moore's point of view. Like, who needs Mayor Lori Lightfoot mad at you? Remember when he got she got so mad at Jeanette Taylor? David Moore's like, you know what? I don't need this. I'd rather have Stacey Davis Gates mad at me than Lori Lightfoot. And let's see, Iris Martinez. That was an interesting one. She's a committee woman from... What is she from the 33rd Ward? That to me signals, that's Dennis's award. That to me signals that she's getting ready to run somebody against uh, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez. Just getting in the weeds there, folks. The deep dive into Chicago politics. I just like, I'm starting to think that there's some kind of showdown government. You know, they don't like her. Oh, my goodness. They can't stand your old older woman, D. I like her personally. I love her. She's yeah. a good friend of the show. She comes on the show. Uh, but uh, the powers that be in this town don't like her. She's too radical. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a little uh, telegraph that they're sending her way. D. Yeah, so. What is all this honesty and like listening to the people that live in your neighborhood? What are you doing? I know. I know. I know. And speaking from her heart and she she doesn't back down and she doesn't insult anybody. You know what I mean? She's respectful of other people. Oh, can't have that. Oh, now I know you you seem real concerned and actually care, but what an idiot. <laughs> and guys, I know what you're thinking. Wait, was 
that another episode of everyone's favorite daily Chicago political soap opera? Yes, it was. It was episode 403 of A Mayor and Her Alderman. A Mayor and Her Alderman. You have to be a good neighbor. You have to be a good neighbor. Otherwise, I'm going to be up your butt every day. Uh, yes, Tom Tenney, all the men of the 44th Ward. All right. Now, back to J.B. Pritzker. The enemy is you. Well, I've never. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How dare you. First, it was one of the top stories nationally this week. Major League Baseball moved its all-star game from Atlanta, Georgia, to Denver, Colorado, due to restrictive voting legislation recently passed in Georgia. But when the news broke, surprisingly, our governor took to the plate, see what I did there, and went to bat for the land of Lincoln. And J.B. Pritzker proposed that maybe Illinois host the All-Star Game. Here's J.B.'s sales pitch to Major League Baseball. We've made it clear they can start planning now. I mean, there's no doubt if they want to come to Illinois, and I've made that clear to Major League Baseball, that we would start working with them immediately on moving the All-Star Game here. And hey, if you really want to get confused, just days later, after inviting people from all over the country to come watch a baseball game during a (laughs) pandemic, the governor announced that new cases of COVID-19 continue to rise in Illinois. We did see an increase in cases in the last week, and I think kind of looming over all of our nightmares has been uh, the variants that we see out there and whether they're going to be resumed. Well, that's fun. And then his administration announced that they're hopeful that the state can move to phase five by the beginning of the summer. We've now ridden through several uh, rises and falls of COVID cases, and it's it's always difficult to give people hope that we're going to move forward. And then we see an increase in cases and we have to move back. But I will say more than at any other time in the last 14 months, I am more hopeful than I've ever been. So are we doing good? Are we doing bad? I don't know. Ben, what say you? <laughs> well, the... Uh, that's a brilliant, uh, <laughs> that was well done. Mixed messages on COVID. That seems to be a constant theme on this show. Uh, but yeah, now JB didn't say, by the way, he said, yeah, baseball, you can come to Chicago. He didn't say he was going to let anybody in the stands. That's a whole lot. <laughs> and by the way, I don't even know if he has the authority because that's something else. Another power struggle between Lori Lightfoot and JB Pritzker is, well, I'm not sure what, whether it's Lori Lightfoot or J.B. Pritzker, who has the authority to say to the Cubs and the White Sox, how many people could sit in the stands? You know what I'm saying? Same thing. I'm, I'm, by the way, now at the point where I got my second shot, got my mask, can't wait to go to a White Sox game, be one of 10,000 people uh, at Sox Park. Not feeling that Texas Ranger 38,000 with scram them in like sardines. By the way, D, I looked at that picture again. There's like one guy with a mask <laughs> and it's not over his nose. <laughs> it always kills me. Uh, the mask is supposed to go over the nose. I'm a little weird about that. Um, so, uh, yeah, but it is classic mixed message. On one hand, come to Illinois. On the other hand, we don't know if we're going to be allowed to leave our houses. Yeah, mixed messages all over the place. And uh, I think J.B. Pritzker was, we talked about uh, 
Tony Preckwinkle was trying to stick the needle in Lori Lightfoot there. I think old JB was trying to needle Brian Kemp in Georgia, you know, Governor, you know what I mean? Oh, Just, we, oh. By the way, took the deep dive on this one with David Ferris, urge everybody to check that one out tomorrow. We really take the deep dive in Georgia, but I think old JB was sticking the needle in D. That's what I think he was doing there. Oh, and Hey, major league baseball. Could you pick a different city to move to? It's like 9% black people in Colorado. Can you pick a better city to move to? Is that true? Yeah, I looked it up. Nine percent. Wow. Yeah, like thirty percent in Atlanta. But anyway, Rocky Mountain High, Colorado. But hey, Pritzker also announced this. The following comes from the Chicago Sun Times, uh, and well, I forgot to put who wrote the article. Uh, more than likely, uh, Rachel Hinton. All right, that's a guess, and I'll look later to find out after the end. COVID nineteen vaccine providers will open one hundred fifty thousand appointments across the Chicago suburbs next week when eligibility expands to all Illinois residents sixteen or older. Pritzker said that Chicago residents can snap up some of those suburban slots since the city won't make adult vaccine eligibility universal until April 19th. And they're, quote, absolutely encouraged to do so as the entire state faces a third coronavirus surge. The governor said at a West, hey, let's play ball, guys. Uh, the governor said at a Western <laughs> suburb Forest Park mass vaccination site, quote, we now need to get as many shots into arms as quickly as we possibly can. We're reserving some vaccine to make sure we're target, uh, targeting particularly vulnerable groups that aren't fully vaccinated yet. But right now, we just want people to show up and get vaccinated as soon as possible. I want to make sure that people in Chicago know that they are welcome to sign up for our mass vaccination sites. Last week, the governor criticized Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration for keeping a tighter lid on eligibility due to short supply. Pritzker took a softer stance Thursday, saying the vaccine rollout has been a, quote, complicated endeavor for everybody. Yeah. Try to make nice. All right. He criticized her last week. He signed that teacher, uh, the teacher union bill that the. The, the, the teachers you want him to sign. Nah, it's like, you gotta make, you gotta make nice with Lori Lightfoot. So he's trying to be nice to her. And by the way, D, you really want to get vaccine people's arms, go door to door with it. There you go. That's the Dr. Howard Ehrman approach. Just go door to door with it. Ding dong. Uh, they, they, could you imagine if they showed it at your house, D? No. They're, bam, put that sucker in your arm. See you in two weeks. There you go. That's how you vaccinate people. Instead, these cockamamie rules. And by the way, I just saw this in the uh, in the paper. What was it eighty three thousand vaccines? To, I should actually have the exact number. I should have written it down and doing it from memory. But so in Mississippi, many people uh, just the vac the, the vaccines are available, but they don't want it. They don't trust it. Who knows what's going on in people's minds? You know they they don't want to get on the computer. You know what you do, Dor. Door to door. How about that, D? Ding dong. Here we go. Now, to be honest, that frightens the hell out of me. But Ben, uh, you had your second shot recently. And like I said, you know, I'm waiting, you know, taking my time to get the vaccine, just trying to feel out how everybody's feeling. Ben, when did you get that uh, second shot? Saturday. You got it on Saturday. All right. Yes. So I just got to know. How are you feeling? <laughs> feeling good? Feeling bad? Feeling strange? What's going on? I got to gauge uh, this here. For a while, I really improved my singing. Okay, well, that it's is like, well, probably a lot there. <laughs> Love train, get on board. Woo, woo. 
By the way, I just saw the OJs, an old show. What's his name, D? You always, well, we always have this trouble. Daryl's Garage or his house. Oh, Daryl Hall of Hall and yeah. Oates. Daryl's house. Hell yeah. yeah. Great show. And uh, it is a great show. I was sorry, guys. I always say house or garage and get it mixed up because it's like the the music room and and Daryl Hall's uh, home is. I, I always think it's in the garage, but it's probably not there. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The OJ's were on, and it was a great show. Uh, I urge everybody, even if you don't know '70s music, to go check it out because they do a lot of great riffs and. Um, uh, you know, the, the OJs can really sing. And I just think Daryl Hall is a great musician. So I urge everybody to check it out. You've got OJs in my mind. Oh. And that's a, a really good show. So, All right. Anyway. And finally, our last piece of news. Uh, it's time for another super early 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. This is a 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. Uh, yes, before we go, we need to talk about the governor's latest Republican gubernatorial challenger, wealthy businessman and parking lot prodigy, Gary Rabine. <laughs> Gary Rabine may have picked up the early lead as Illinois gubernatorial Republican candidate uh, literally a year and a half from now because Rabine just sent out a message to any future or potential Republican campaign donors. And that message is, hey, rich people, give me all the money that you can. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Andrew Sullender. Millionaire businessman Gary Rabin notified state election officials over the weekend that he had donated enough of his own cash to his newly minted gubernatorial campaign to lift all fundraising caps on the race. The $250,390.04 the suburban Republican has kicked in pails in comparison to the $35 million that Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker pumped to, into his own war chest last month. But under Illinois' campaign finance laws, Rabin's contributions triggered the lifting of the caps because they were made within a year of the 2022 primary. Pritzker's fell just outside that window. Ben, explain a little bit of what's going on here and uh, the campaign cash handlings of Illinois. Well, um, God, this was a pet uh, peeve of mine about three or four years ago. I forget when I uh, discovered this. I wrote a few columns about it for the reader in the name of reforming uh, uh financing campaign financing in uh, the state of Illinois, they deformed it. Uh, and uh, they have this provision that if you kick in 50 grand to your own campaign, I think it's 50 grand, don't quote me, but a certain amount, uh, then all caps are off. Uh, this is not just for governor's races, also mayor races. Remember uh, it's happened in the city of Chicago. Uh, <laughs> that's why I tell people when it comes to Illinois politics and Chicago politics, never, ever, ever use the word reform. Just in fact, you know what? You shouldn't use the word reform on anything. There was about immigration reform. What? What does that even mean? Anyway, uh, neither here. So uh, this is a huge uh, loophole, if you will, in the law uh, that undercuts uh, it's the intent of the law, and so it, it enables rich people. I mean, this dude Rabin is not in uh, Pritzker country, but he's got some money. Before him, it was Rauner financing his campaign, getting his, <laughs> his pals to do it. And uh, so that's a joke, absolute joke, a farce. Uh, we need some real campaign 
really laws that absolutely regulate uh, the um, the amount of money that goes into camp. And it's just so funny. You know, I just I just thinking about this, uh, the way these issues evolve, politically speaking, if the Republicans for the longest time were championing the rights of corporations to give unlimited amounts of money to political campaigns. Like, corporations are people, too. And you're restricting their First Amendment protected rights to participate in the process. Then, of course, when corporations say, oh, we're outraged at the state of Georgia for passing laws restricting the rights of black people to vote. How dare they? (laughs) We are a weird people. Anyway, so, yes, there's a huge loophole in the law D that undercuts the purpose of the law. Big surprise. I always say. Never, ever, ever believe anyone when they say they're reforming something in the state of Illinois. All right. Well, I'm going to put you in the hot seat again here. Uh I know it's a ways away here, uh, like a year and a half. But did Rabin just become an early front runner? And what uh, are his chances right now? April 9th, 2021. All right. Well, um, excellent question. Excellent question, uh, Madam Mayor. Excellent question. Uh, I do not believe he's the front runner. I got a uh, uh, a text yesterday from our good friend Jim Coogan. I hadn't seen this. Thank you, uh, Jim, for sending me this. Uh, your boy DB really wants a GP a GOP nomination. DB, of course, being Darren Bailey, he filed a bill to eliminate Foyd uh, cars. Of, uh, uh, because why would we want even the scant firearm regulations that we have? So I believe DB uh, is Darren Bailey is more of a front runner uh, than um, uh, Rabin. I actually think that among MAGA, Darren's their guy. He's been there every step of the way. If you're a MAGA person in the state of Illinois, Darren's your guy. And Rabin is late to the, the party. And so I don't think the amount of money he kicked in is enough to undercut the threat that um, uh, Darren, uh, t- a threat to Darren Bailey. But I will say this, young man. Say it, please. I'm going to say this. There's also the threat, the possibility that there's too many MAGA candidates in the race and to divide the MAGA vote. And that leaves things open for Adam Kinzinger. And I don't know if I, you saw this, I sent you this link that Adam Kinzinger, right before we went on the show, uh, he had given a statement that uh, he thinks Matt Gates, the congressman uh, from Florida, who is a lunatic, ladies and gentlemen, David Ferris and I take the deep dive. And this guy is crazy, D. I don't know if you're following him at all. Uh, and Adam Kinzinger said he stepped down one more time. Adam Kinzinger is distancing himself from MAGA. And if he chooses to run, if there's so many MAGA candidates in the race, they could divide it. Kinziger could get the nomination. I do not believe if it's like one-on-one, Kinziger versus Darren Bailey, he can win. I'm not even certain he could win if it's Darren Bailey and Rabin in the race. You know, I think there's still too many MAGA people for him to win. But with your good friend Shemp or whatever his name is, another MAGA person comes in the race. Don't overlook Kinsinger. Oh boy. And you know, uh, with this news of Kinsinger, I just have to ask once again, hey, Kinsinger, are you smoking some of that legal reefer going on in <laughs> Illinois? Sounded a lot like Bernie or something. What's going on here, my man? <laughs> Okay, he's definitely not something like burning on any other issue other than <laughs> MAGA lunatics. He is definitely my beloved Bernie. 
Wait, we have a quote from Adam Kinzinger. This just in. Breaking news. $27. Okay. I don't know, Ben. He's starting to sound a little like Bernie. That is so inside. When I first met Dennis, by the way, people don't know this. Dennis keeps a secret. Huge Bernie Sanders supporter. And he used to go around and go, $27. And I'd be like, D, do the Bernie thing again. No. We'd be sitting in that little, uh, his studio back at the studio after every show. And he'd be chopping up the show, getting ready to drop it. I go, D, come on, man. I'd be eating my avocado and cheese sandwich. Do that imitate. I'm busy, okay? I'm very important. I'm producing this show. And then all of a sudden he go, okay, $37. No, go back to that cheese sandwich. Oh, we got another quote from Adam Kinzinger. He says, uh, <laughs> I smoke 10% of marijuana. Let leaves 10% of me ready to go, which is 10. Okay, he sounded a lot like Bernie. Talking about 10%, $27. <laughs> $27. By the way, I urge everybody to check out my uh, column in this week's reader. I uh, uh, take the deep dive on the difference between liberals and lefties. Washington Post apparently does not know the difference between a liberal and a lefty. Oh, Adam Kinzinger is going to read it and take notes and fool everybody in a few months. <laughs> Just watch. Adam Kinzinger is not even a liberal. He's a conservative. Give it time. Give it time. <laughs> okay. Next thing you know, Kinzinger goes, I love marijuana. <laughs> Well, and, and I don't think I, would you say that this Rabin feller is uh, okay? So Darren Bailey is for your just outlandish, uh, flat out insane uh, Republican supporters. Uh, would you say that Rabin is for your maybe closeted city Republicans? You know, see, that's what he's trying to have it both ways. D, you know, like he didn't do the heavy lifting of the Darren Bailey's who like led the charge for MAGA. So that like, if you're looking for a quote unquote more moderate then just that fact alone may make it more moderate. But if you listen, we talked about it last week to that cockamamie wimpy answer he gave to whether there was any justification to Donald Trump's claim about the election was stolen. You know, at the very least he's too chicken to stand up to MAGA where he goes, I don't know. I mean, you know, who am I to know? I'm not smart enough to know that. Remember that? And then he was like, but I'm a genius when it comes to paving companies. <laughs> I made all this money. I like me because I'm smart, but I'm not smart. So I, here you go. If it was up to me and you put a gun in my head and said, you got to vote for DB or GR. Oh God. I don't know. If GR. He, uh, oh, Rabin. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what I, I, I just don't know what I would do. Actually, I, I was about to say I would vote for DP. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's a tough one. Well, Frank on the live stream chat says, but Ken, Kinzinger said he isn't running for governor. Oh, Frank, he's got you hook, line and sinker, bud. Yeah, I know he said that. People say a lot of things. Uh, we talked about this uh, in the interview um, uh, with, um, uh, David Ferris about Joe Manchin, the West Virginian senator. You know, he says, ah, I'm not going to be for the filibuster I, on any instance. But, you know, he leaves open. So, yes, Kinziger said he's not going to run. Uh, he has no plans to run, I believe, is what he said, which is, you know, tomorrow he could have a plan. So we'll see about Adam Kinziger. All right. So that's all the uh, local uh, news I got. Ben, is there anything that happened from the week that was that we didn't cover that you would like to riff on before it sails away from the news cycle? <laughs> Uh, no, I think uh, we've exhausted about everything, and uh, it was a great job. You did a great studio audience. Could you give a round of applause to Dr. D for doing a great job? Yeah, it's just me in my closet. Uh, oh. But hey, guys, 
Uh, remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com and wherever else you download podcasts. Over 900 episodes. Uh, share today's show with your friends. It's a weekly review. That's what we do now here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Fridays, we do the week that was. Uh, you can send us an email, BennyJShow at gmail.com. You can always find us online at BennyJShow, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show. And you can leave us a voicemail. It's true. We have a phone number, 708-658-4788. The number again, 708-658-4788. Call The Ben Jarofsky Show. We would love to hear from you. Check out the bonus interviews. Go get Ben's book, The Greatest Hits. Become a Ben Head, chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky. I think I'm done talking. All right, good job as always. The man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of old Illinois. Uh, the man they call the doctor. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Everybody have a great weekend. See you next week. The enemy is you. 